Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. Your host is Bernadette Schwert, who you'll find at copyschool.com, and you can find out more about all our copywriting courses at copywritingcourses.com.au. Now, over to Bernadette. Does the idea of making $5,000 for five days' work sound too good to be true? Well, it's not that unrealistic if you specialise in sales page copy. Best part? They're not that hard to write if you know the secrets. Danny Page started her career in the oil and gas fields of Canada and quickly realised, yeah, no, this is not going to work. It's just too cold. So she did some digging pardon the pun, found copywriting, and in particular, copywriting for sales pages, launched a business, and within one year of leaving her full-time job, was earning over $100,000, and her business just continues to grow year on year. In this podcast, she outlines how she got started as a sales page copywriter, why she chose sales pages as her niche, the tricks and tips for writing high-performing sales pages, how you too can charge $5,000 for five days' work, how to find clients, and much more. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is the podcast for those looking to reinvent their lives as a copywriter and want some inspiration and practical tips on how to do it. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers' Centre. If you'd like to build a side hustle, work from wherever you want, check out our courses and discover how copywriting can help you find the independence and freedom you seek. Here's a review from Leah, who recently completed our course. This course has taught me a whole new set of writing skills that I can apply to a range of media. I always thought copywriting and marketing was for corporate people, but now I know I can do it and there's no stopping me. This course has given me the confidence to move forward. Thanks, Leah. If you'd like to get the training you need to become a copywriter, check out the courses that give you the confidence, the tools, and the templates to become a highly paid copywriter. You can find out all about our courses at writercenter.com.au forward slash essentials or copyschool.com. And if you like our podcasts, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get started. Danny Page, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Danny, I'm so excited to talk to you because you talk about sales pages. And as anyone in marketing knows, a sales page is a critical element of converting people uh, into becoming a raving fan, customer, etc. So let's start with the basics. And let's just assume nobody knows anything about nothing. What is a sales page? Yeah, so sales page are those long, really scrolly pages, I'll say that you land on that provide you with all the information that you need um, when you're thinking about purchasing, in my case, courses or online programs. Uh, So lots of research goes into these and they've got a ton of detail about the program and the transformation that the audience receives. Um, So the goal on these pages is to give the reader absolutely everything they need, all the information that they need so they can make the best decision for themselves, whether to purchase that program or not. 
Great. And we often hear words like um, landing page, squeeze page, et cetera. Can you just talk us through the differences as you understand them to be? For sure. Oh my gosh. There's so many jargon words in our industry, isn't there? Uh, But sales pages, um, to me, sales pages are doing the actual selling, whereas squeeze pages, landing pages are often more for freebies and opt-ins. That's how I've sort of distinguished them, the two of them. Um, they can be interchangeable for sure, but to me, sales pages are longer and they're actually selling something, whereas a landing page and a squeeze page is more for a freebie. Awesome. And tell us how you got into this, Danny. We'll go into the deep dive of, of about sales pages in a moment, but just from your, your perspective, you're a professional hockey player. You worked in the oil and gas industry in Canada. You know, just talk us through your journey from becoming a, you know, a business graduate into gas and then hockey and now copy. For sure. Yeah. So I I grew up playing hockey. I think, I mean, I had older brothers and I lived in Canada. So I I think that was what I was just meant to do, Um, but was lucky enough to go play hockey at university and then over a pro in the European Women's Hockey League. Um, So I was so grateful for all these experiences, but I actually felt ready to come back home and get a real job and, you know, start the corporate world. And I realized very quickly that that world just wasn't for me. And, you know, I ended up in oil gas because that's, it was very, um, a proficient industry where I'm from in Calgary. And I, I lasted one or two years, I think. And I just realized it wasn't for me. Um, and an employee, like a coworker, I mean, at the time had told me about, um, that there's these entrepreneurial groups on Facebook. Um, so she kind of led me to this world and it just opened up my eyes. I kept like seeing the word copywriting and I didn't even know what it meant at the time. And so really <laughs> went down a rabbit hole of that and realized that that's exactly what I need to be doing. Like I, I always had a, um, I always had a bit of a skill for writing, but I really didn't realize that I could make an actual living off of it. I thought I had to be like the next JK Rowling and write a big book or something. Um, so my eyes really opened up when I, I figured out about copywriting. I gave myself six months to learn it and then quit that oil and gas job. And um, definitely the best decision that I've ever done for myself. And what was it about copywriting that interested you? What was it about that that world that made you want to run towards it? I I think it had a lot to do with my background and just knowing that I enjoyed writing, but just not thinking that I could do anything with it. And I, at the same time, was always thinking that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't really think I had any skills to do it. I didn't realize what I could do. Um, you know, I hear about designers and tech people and I just, nope, nope. I, I really didn't feel like I could do any of that. So when these two worlds kind of collided of entrepreneurship and writing, it was just, you know, the fireworks went off that I knew that I could kind of make waves in the industry. Excellent. So talk to us about some of the the tips and tricks of writing a great sales page. And, and firstly, maybe talk about the kinds of people who benefit from having a sales page. I mean, can any business benefit? Are there certain categories or industries that, you know, do better than others? Yeah, that's, it's a great question. I mean, I feel like everyone probably could benefit from a sales page. If you're selling something, it's a great thing to have. Um, I focus on course creation industry and it is an absolute must. I don't think anyone's going to really purchase anything, um, maybe a few people, but not the masses by any means. 
are going to purchase something without being able to read up on it a little bit more and just really understand what the course entails. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think it's a must for the online industry for each and every offer that you have to. So, you know, businesses often have multiple sales pages, um, you know, over the years. So talk to us about some of the the must-haves, the you, you talk about five ride or die recommendations. What what are these? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing is research. I'm not gonna sit here and say I have the magic words to put in a sales page. Your audience ha- has the magic words. So it's about getting on research calls and really understanding what your audience is saying and what they're thinking, the reasons that they're purchasing from you, reasons that they're not purchasing from you. I actually just got off a call with someone who didn't purchase my program and I jumped on a call with her and it was so incredibly helpful to hear views from the other side. I don't think a lot of people go through these depths, um, but that's how you can write seller sales pages is going the extra mile to really understand who your audience is. Um, because then we're taking those words and everything that they're telling us and we're putting it into the sales page and essentially saying it back to them because then they're sitting on the other side of their screen thinking, wow, this is exactly what I'm going through. They really understand me. Um, so that's really the, the, the biggest tip, the biggest thing that makes a fantastic sales page. And number two, like, so if research was number one, what's the number two sort of ride or die recommendation? Uh, social proof is up there for me. Um, really being able to capture the voice of the um, the transformations that your audience is having and putting it in um, your sales page, but also really optimizing these testimonials. Uh, I often see testimonials just kind of thrown in sales pages or testimonials that say, you know, um, Bernadette was very nice to work with, or it was a great course. These things aren't going to move the dial forward on our sales pages. So, you know, giving each testimonial a title, a very benefits driven title, putting the headshot of the person in there, just making it really easy for your information to be consumed um, is, is huge for sales pages. We, you know, we all know how long they are, but there's a reason for every, um, everything that's on there um, and we need to make it really consumable for people to be able to read it. What are some of your techniques for creating those testimonials? Are there particular questions that you ask that reveal what you want? For sure. So I, I do this multiple ways, actually. When someone purchases my program, I automatically send out like a welcome survey. So really understanding where they are at the moment of purchasing and then um, and same with, you know, my one-on-one clients as well. I asking them where they are, just kind of always doing that research. And then at the end of the project or the course together, um, asking them where they are and understanding the transformation. So um, really doing these deep dives on questionnaires as well as jumping on calls, like I mentioned too. Um, okay. So, so mm-hmm. number three, what's another ride or die recommendation? <laughs> I love it. Um, let's see, uh, ride or die recommendation. I think that people often think, wonder how long the sales page needs to be, or they think that they have to have the perfect amount of words or the perfect amount of length. And I don't think it's like that at all. It's really just understanding what you need to say to get your point across. Um, there's no perfect, um, number or perfect length. Um, just really, yeah, really understanding what 
what in your heart needs to be said um, and, and saying it in a very honest way. There's no sales techniques or there's no, um, you know, secret way of saying anything. It's just really speaking from your heart, speaking to them like the person that you know you can help. And what about some of the uh, structures? Like, do you have a, a format for your sales pages? Is there like a template that you can share with us? For sure. So thinking about sales pages at the very top of the page, we really want to talk about the problem and highlight and really understand and kind of meet them where they're at is what I like to say. So speak to their problem. And we're never doing that in a uh, in a bad way to make them feel poorly about themselves. We talk about their problems so they really can understand that we know exactly what they're going through. Because if we're reading a page and you know they're thinking, oh, I'm this is exactly what's happening to me, they're also thinking that maybe they have the answer. Uh, so speaking to that problem, um, empathizing with them, um, and then leading them down to the page to make your offer. Um, you know, so we've met them where they're at, we understand I have a an offer for you to help with that. Um, so then we you know, make your offer, introducing, actually giving the space to introduce your course. Um, and then other sections you want to include are the benefits. Why do they need this? We really want to speak to um, benefits over features. Like people don't typically care that there are seven modules and four hours of content. They want to know what those seven hours and four hours of Congress, you know, seven modules, whatever I said, um, how those are going to help them. What are those transformations? So speaking to the benefits, and then we'll move, you know, chronologically down your page, going into the modules, really nitty gritty details of what is inside your program. Um, again, always very benefits driven. Uh, you want to mention your bonuses or any extras in there. Maybe there's a Facebook group, maybe there's extra support, anything like that. <clears throat> we can add to this section. And then as we get to the bottom of the page, we want to mention if there's any guarantee, if there is, um, you know, who this course is perfect for, so they can really self-reflect and self-identify that that's for them. And then you can wrap up your sales page with any FAQs. And as well as I love um, adding a, like a closing section. A lot of people just finish their sales pages on the FAQs. I like adding in this extra little closing section that again, really just speaks from your heart and tells them even thank you for reading this long page. I've said that before, just making it very human and connection driven um, to close out your sales page at the bottom. Sounds great. So Danny, maybe talk us through the bigger page, you know, the bigger funnel rather, because you talk in your website about you need the emails, you need the lead magnet, you need all these other bits and pieces. Can you just talk us through the entire journey that enables the sales page to come alive? For sure. Yeah. Because when you think about it, sales pages typically aren't Google, Google elbow, right? That you're, you're receiving sales pages once you're in some sort of funnel. So at the top of the funnel, again, very jargony words, but how we're getting people kind of into our world, um, that's when those squeeze pages come up. So the landing pages, um, typically we're offering freebies and this is all at the very top of the funnel. And then we think about funnel, uh, really funneling people into our world. And then at the bottom of our funnel is where we make offers to them. Um, but in the meantime, we're really nurturing people. We're sending them emails, um, giving them a lot of value. So people are realizing, um, you know, what you do, how you can help them, um, 
you know, how you can, um, how you're knowledgeable in, in the industry. And we are doing that through maybe weekly emails, um, you know, our nurture sequences, and then leading them to our sales pages um, when our offer um, goes on sale. You know, as I say that, like sometimes we have launches, right? So um, maybe if I'm launching this month, cart opens, and that's when I would lead them to the sales page. Okay. So maybe can you talk us through an example, just to put some meat on the bones of what you just talked about? Is there a client that you've worked with that you can just talk us through how the whole process began from, you know, what the the free offer was right through to the funnel and then right through to the uh, the sales page? Sales page, for sure. So I can use my program, Sales Page Prep School, as an example. I have, I am running ads to freebies often um, and people will sign up for a freebie. Um, a current freebie I have is the um, the chaperone, it's called the sales sales page chaperone. So people will pick up this freebie, a bunch, it has a bunch of free information to help them improve their copywriting career um, and how to break into launch copy. Um, it's a whole guide that is completely free um, that could definitely be paid for. And, and that is something that's really important to note is that we need to be giving away free information that is extremely valuable that people actually want to read. Um, so they've come into my world by picking up the chaperone, the, f- the free freebie. Then they enter my welcome sequence where I tell them all about myself, um, all about some crazy stories that I've gone through, how I ended up as a copywriter. Um, and then they get on my, I, I, I'm always nurturing them. I'm sending out weekly emails about stories, uh, about you know things I've thought of that will help them and will help their business. And then... Um, Twice a year, I open up doors to sales page prep school. So now they're on my list. Um, and if they choose to, this is a very, um, you know, I, I don't ever want this to come off as salesy because my goal is to help people. Um, and some people want to come join sales page prep school. Other people just want to stay on my list and, and get my emails. And, and both is amazing for however I'm able to help people. Um, but yeah, when doors open, then they are on my list. They're a warm lead and they may want to join the program where I can support them even further. Great. So there's a lot of things in there. I just like to um pick a bit because they're quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I know the, the listeners would love to hear a bit more. Um, maybe you could just talk to us about the welcome sequence. Uh, for someone who's creating their own welcome email sequence, what are some of your tips in terms of the number of emails and the frequency? For sure. So again, I don't think there's the perfect number, but in my email welcome sequences, I typically have five or six emails and we really want to welcome them in give them high value and um I also have an email that speaks to me, my background. Uh, I like to call it like my hero story. So how I got to where I am. Um, so that's an email, a like a objection bust, maybe not objection busting, but an email that really speaks to um, like planting your flag on a stance. So maybe you kind of have thoughts that go against the grain in the industry or anything like that. Those are really great opportunities to speak to that in emails um, because you can really connect with your your audience through these type of jarring emails. Um, So you can send emails like that for a few, uh, for maybe one week, a couple um, every other day. And if you have a smaller offer, I can suggest sending it at the end of your welcome sequence, typically like something over and under a hundred bucks, maybe someone wants to jump on. Um, 
and yeah, so that's kind of how a welcome sequence um, looks in a very broad sense. Lovely. And what mm-hmm. what about your nurturing? You talked a little bit about your weekly stories. What tell mm-hmm. us about your nurturing sequence and when that kicks in? Yeah. So after the welcome sequence, they are on my house list, is what I call it. I think the host everyone list. might have a house, just like a, a home, oh, yeah, <laughs> which is it. just yeah. like my main list. Um, I, I th- I'm sure there's millions of different ways to call it, but yeah, essentially they're on my house list. So they will receive my real time weekly emails. And these are my very story-based emails. I get a ton of responses that people just love my story-based emails. They can be about a hole in the wall, um, but they always seem to have some sort of marketing takeaway um, or copywriting help at the end of it. Um, I wrote about a tractor story the other week that just had a really fun marketing advice at the end of it. Um, So I'm always sending these sort of updates. Right now, I'm currently on a digital nomad retreat in Mexico. So writing about my life that way. Um, And yeah, so always sending value, always staying top of mind to my audience. Awesome. So just with the welcome series there, um, Danny, what about length? I'm always interested in your version of what length is appropriate for, say, your welcome series or the, you know, the first three emails in a welcome series. Do you mean the length of the actual email or yeah, how like the word count? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, and as you can kind of see, I, I feel like there's not a specific number for anything we do. I've sent emails that are thou- a thousand plus words. I've sent an email that is 25 words. Um, I actually like to test it too, as well, to see uh, what kind of responses I get. Do- does my audience love reading the long form emails with a very in-depth story, or do they just like shorter ones? I personally like to mix it up often, um, maybe even throwing in a video every now and then. Um, so I, I I think it's best to maybe even not stay the same every email, um, just really shifting up how your emails look. Um, so they're always unique and interesting. Lovely. And maybe just jumping back a moment, just in terms of your, your lead magnet, um, can you share with us what it is? Because people might actually want it. For sure. So the Copy Chaperone is a um, PDF download that I have right now to help people, um, to help copywriters break into the launch copy space. So it's really my path that helped me go from zero to six figures in my first year. Um, I talk about income and what your income might look like at every level. Um, And I give tips on how to really create great customer experiences for your clients. Um, So there's a ton of um, just kind of my takeaways and uh, tips on growing your copywriting career. Um, in this document. Lovely. And what, um, uh, how do you get that out? What are your techniques for promoting that lead magnet? I put it anywhere I can. I put it in my signature in emails. I talk about it often on Instagram. Um, I love doing collaborations with other entrepreneurs. That's definitely been my best, um, non-paid way I'll say. And that looks like, you know, providing trainings in other people's Facebook groups. Um, Podcasts like this is another great one too, because when you can connect with people in the same industry, there's a lot of trust built in already. Um, So yeah, collaborations have been really big for me. Awesome. And when you talk about launch copy, um, maybe just educate our listeners as to what you mean by that. So for launch copy, um, 
my take on launch copy is sales pages, email campaigns, and often Facebook ads. So it's really the assets that people need um, in order to, you know, essentially launch their course. Um, and yeah, those are kind of the main three assets for every launch campaign um, online. Great. And Danny, in terms of your school, you have it open twice a year. Um, I know a lot of people who do that kind of thing, there's always the, the the fear, you know, that you've opened it and no one comes kind of thing versus just having it open continuously. What what do you feel about that? Do you have an anxiety around when the doors open or do you feel, I'm going to sell this out, no problem? Yeah, I love this question. I, I feel like I feel them both at the same time. <laughs> I mean, there's always there's always anxiety when you put something out online or when you become visible online. Um, but when you know that it's coming from a really good place and you know that you can genuinely help people, um, you know, that it kind of makes those fears go away. And even if I get one or two people inside, I'm so grateful that I can help those one or two people and provide them with these transformations. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure a little bit of both. And even as I've grown over the years, I don't think that worry goes away. Um, you know, it's something that I think we're all trying to work on. <laughs> I think it's lovely. I th- and I think it's true as well. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe just about the launch phase. Can you talk to us about the the kind, the volume of content you put out in that phase and how long it goes for? For the actual launch? Yeah. I, I like to think all of the time if worry are, if you're going through a seven day launch, Often people think those are the most important seven days, but to me, it's all of the days leading leading up to it. I am really nowhere near a launch right now, but I'm still nurturing my lead. Um, so I still kind of feel like I'm in pre-launch all of the time. Um, but at, to give you a more specific answer, I like to look at the, you know, at least two months prior to my launch date as pre-launch. So really focused emails, um, talking about the problem that they may be going through or hesitations that they may have, um, or objections that are coming up in their world that I know down the road, my program can help them overcome. So really targeted emails in the two months leading up to your launch. And then when you, you know, physically launch and open those doors, often they last about a week. So I'm sending daily emails throughout the launch and then I close up cart and like I mentioned, research is huge. So I always send a um, an email following up asking them, you know, what I could have done better or maybe why they chose against the program um, just to help me with research again for the next launch. Awesome. Great. And let's talk a little bit about those fears and worries because I know that for a lot of copywriters, they don't put themselves out there for the fear that they're being too assertive or they're being pushy or they're making people do something they don't want to do. But it feels like you've really thought this through for yourself and you've really accepted that we are of service to others and therefore there's no shame or, you know, concern about marketing yourself. Can you talk to maybe some tips to give people how they can get to the point where you seem to be at, where you don't have that concern? Because I think that's a lovely place to get to. Yeah. and, And that's just it. I think when we come online, we hear so much about the bro marketing or the sleazy tactics. And it's certainly there. I have seen it, but when you're coming from a good place and when you know that you can help people, um, you're actually doing everyone a disservice by not offering them. Um, I, I actually, it makes me think of, I jumped on a call with a client once and she was so happy with everything. And at the end of the call, 
she, you know, I was kind of saying my goodbyes and thank you again. And she's like, Danny, I have to tell you, I was actually hoping that you would try to upsell me on something else. And, and she was actually disappointed that I hadn't offered her something else. And it was mind blowing to me because I, um, you know, often we think, especially in that situation, oh, I've already sold something to her. Um, you know, I, how dare I try to sell something else? And it was the complete opposite. So it really proves that if you have something that people need, um, we need to make sure we're offering it and, and putting it out because, yeah, we're, we're hindering and we're not helping them if, if we're not. Absolutely. Let's talk about your journey because obviously it's been very successful and you, you've got some tips on how people can, um, you know, charge for a sales page. What are your tips on how they can do so? Like how they can begin to charge more for a sales yeah. page? Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I'll, I mean, I'll preface it by saying I definitely didn't start charging high offers right out of the gate. Um, there's a level of like proving yourself and getting results for your clients first. Um, so I definitely worked my way towards sales pages. I started with blogs and Facebook ads and websites, and then just gravitated towards sales pages. Um, I will say like that all happened in my first year. And I only mention that because it's not like the corporate world when we have to um, wait years to move up the corporate ladder, right? We get to make these decisions and you know you get to decide what you want to charge. Um, so my take on the best way on how to charge more, one thing that has really helped me is having a proprietary process on how you work. Um, so you can really explain that to your client. It really helps highlight you as an expert. So having processes and frameworks on how you run each project. It just proves that you have a repeatable way to do this. It shows that you've done it before and it immediately increases um, their confidence in you that, you know, you can have success for them. Um, so for a tangible takeaway, I have a process called the brag process. And I do this with my clients um, because, you know, I tell them that their program is brag worthy and that this is my process to help get all that info out of their head so I can produce the best sales page for them. And then I explain uh, the BRAG baseline, you know, um, doing all of my beginning questionnaires, research, I jump on calls with their clients. Action is when I, you know, put my head down and kind of lock myself in my copy cave and get writing. And then glory is when I send all the deliverables over to them uh, and they get to review it to come back to me. So I, it's these sort of things that you want to be talking about on your sales calls and in your marketing to really, you know, get that trust and that confidence in your potential clients. Um, and it helps you absolutely be able to charge more having processes like that. Um, so, what, so what I'll, kind of? Uh, no, I was just going to add one more thing. We can totally dig into the the frameworks, but one other thing to help people charge more too is, and this just comes over time, is really being able to step into being more of a consultant rather than just an order taker. Um, it definitely helps charge more, you know, being able to make suggestions to your clients or providing insights or optimizing their offers. This will you know, really set you apart and help you charge more. So just wanted to note those, both those things. Um, definitely. Excellent. What kind mm -hmm. of money can people charge for a sales page? Well, I will I speak for myself. I started charging probably 
<laughs> for, I would say almost free for my very first one, which I don't totally recommend. Um, but my second one, I was at the $1,000 mark, quickly moved up to 1500, then 2000. Um, I nestled in at like the $2,500 mark for quite a while. Um, I felt very comfortable there. And then also just realized I was getting some big results for my clients and then I could be charging more. And I added more to my processes um, currently at $5,000 per sales page. Um, and I know that will likely increase soon too, but hopefully that gives an idea of, of what's possible. And I know this is a, a how long's a piece of string question, but how long mm-hmm. will it take you to write that, do you think, from where to go? Like, could you break us down the brag process, the baseline, the research, the action? Yeah. Just put us through the hours. So I have my process dialed in for one week. Um, that's what I book my clients out. Um, so then I always, you know, I always know I'm starting my project on a Monday, it's finishing on a Friday and I know what I can get done. And it took me some time. Um, I was started, I think at one month and I was doing four weeks for a project. Um, and then I was doing one day for a project, uh, for a sales page, but now I've kind of found my sweet spot in the one week. Um, but with saying that I do have pre-work, like I'm setting up the research calls. So everything is booked and ready to go for, you know, for our project kickoff. Um, and that's kind of really where all the baseline happens. I'm sending them the questionnaire that I need from them. I'm getting their uh, access to the program. That's something that's really important to me is to actually go through their course. So I know what I'm promoting. Um, so that all happens in the baseline. The research is like Monday, Tuesday, I'm jumping on calls with the, with my client and also their students. Um, and then the next couple of days is the, the, a, the action I have, um, just kind of going to town and writing that sales page. And then by Friday, I know that I am done. I send it over to them um, with the understanding that over the next couple of weeks, that it's perfectly okay if they have any questions or any comments. I um, don't just ever cut my clients off. They're very much involved in my business. Um, so we might hop, hop on a call or have a quick chat later if they have any follow-up questions. That's awesome. What do you think... How many hours do you think the client needs to be with you? Because I think people might be listening and say, okay, I need to give my clients a heads up as to how many hours I need of their time for this process. What would you recommend a copywriter says to a client about that kind of requirement? I book off one hour for my client kickoff calls. And I, I kind of just tell them that, you know, and they know typically it, well, sometimes it might be a couple of weeks to book in for a project. So they know that when I've booked off this week for them, they are my only client and they are my only focus. So they're typically uh, much quicker to respond via email as well. Um, but the pre-work is important that I need from them before the project can kick off and it just won't move forward if they don't have that. So that's something that they need to complete that might take them, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Um, So that's one time investment. And then our kickoff call for an hour is really their only true other time investment. Um, I typically have them on Voxer at this point. So if I need to ask them questions throughout the week, they'll get back to me. But so really not a huge time investment. It's it's just things that I need from them upfront so I can do my job very well. Awesome. And I know, you know, that there's no one length, but there must be a, like an average that you recommend or else, you know, you, you could be just going on and on and on. What do you think is a goal, for, say a novice copywriter, should they aim for with a sales page to ensure that, you know, they're delivering something of value in terms of word count? Yeah. I, I mean, word count is 
always tough, but to give an actual tangible number, I've seen sales pages around the 2000, 3000, 4000 word mark, and um, they're all perfect. They all say what they need to, and that's it. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would say anywhere around that mark, you're probably on the right track. Okay, great, great. And what, what tips would you give a copywriter to deliver like a wow customer experience? How can we be more customer focused with our clients? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is really important. This is how you're going to win over clients, how you're going to get referrals. Um, so I, I mean, I have a laundry list of things. Maybe I'll just kind of start chatting them out, but making it super easy to work with you for one, um, making your offers very clear, like who you can help making that super clear. So people know, making it very easy to pay you, um, you know, not making your proposal process um, to back and forth. These sort of things really deter people. Um, also delivering your projects on time, which sounds incredibly simple, but it's worth noting because I, I see it not happen often. <laughs> um, and then making your client feel like they are your only client, really you know, surprise and delighting them, maybe sending them a welcome gift. Um, also things like you know providing really clear expectations so they're never in the dark with where we are or how's that project coming along that's i think the worst possible line to ever hear from a client um so yeah and then a, a formal offboarding so all of these things that i mentioned you know maybe seemingly small but all of them add up and they will provide really wow customer experiences for your clients what what techniques do you use to keep the client updated on the project I software wise, I use something called Depsado, um, but also in like my emails communication and in my our kickoff call, I make it super clear what to expect when you'll hear from me. So they're always, always in the loop. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's more just the communicating upfront. So they know exactly what to expect. And um, if anything changes, I mean, letting them know right away. What was the software that you use? Depsado is oh, the Depsado. name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could you just spell yeah. that for us? I know what it is, but just spell know, it for us. I know it's a funny word, right? D U B S A B O. Wait, S A D O. Excellent. Depsado. Yeah. Excellent. Um, what about your formal offboarding process? What does that involve? It involves a questionnaire uh, that I send all of my clients. excuse me, after we wrap up our project. So I will send them a questionnaire right after when I know um, that they're very excited. They just received this copy. So I really want to capture that. Um, I also allow them to comment inside the Google doc, which provides really great like testimonials as well, snapshots to see how excited they are. Um, But mainly that initial questionnaire but also for me being in the launch space, they might be launching not for a few more months. So I always make note of when those launches are and I'm always in touch with them, you know, beforehand wishing them good luck with the launch and asking them how it's going throughout it. Um, and then afterwards, again, connecting with them to make sure I can get those really tangible results because um, those are the ones that will really help um, us going forward as copywriters. Excellent. Now, Danny, you found your niche as a sales page copywriter. Um, what techniques or tips would you recommend to people about niching or not? Because I get that question a lot. Should I niche? Yeah, it's always a tough question. Um, I personally, I, I think it's 
great to niche, but I also, there's two different ways to niche. You can niche by the industry you're in. Uh, So let's say I only write for dog walkers, which would be, or, you know, the dog industry, which would be very, actually probably a very fun, very specific niche, Uh, but you can also niche down by the deliverables. And that's essentially what I've done. So I've really niched into sales pages and launch copy. Um, but I do write for a variety of different companies. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you can kind of look at, at it that way. So you don't have to put yourself in just the one box. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of that's kind of my take on it. I I think it's important to get a little bit more specific because that's when you become the expert in the industry. But I also understand that people don't only ever want to talk just about dogs. Um, So I think you can go a little bit broader, um, but overall it it is important to kind of plant your flag so people know what they're coming to you specifically for. And Danny, when you got started in the early stages, how did you promote yourself and find your early clients? I found my first clients all on Facebook, actually. I started joining those entrepreneurial groups and started having conversations with people. Like I wasn't posting in them for work. I was commenting on people's posts um, and chatting with them and trying to provide help and advice. And that's really how I got my first handful of clients. And then from there, I tried to leverage those first clients and get referrals from them and it just kind of snowballed out from from them essentially and what do you say to people who maybe lack confidence or don't have maybe the knowledge to comment on a facebook post you know like what are the tips for someone who doesn't have a business background like you did potentially or the confidence any techniques on how they can look for clients I mean, to be honest, I don't think I was writing anything profound in those comments. I think I was just um, maybe reaching out or saying so-and-so might know this answer and then taking them and bringing them into the conversation. So I don't think I had any special answers for people. Um, But I mean, referrals is always the kind of the biggest one for, for people, um, and getting in programs. I I know sometimes it's hard. We don't have money when we're getting started, but getting in groups and finding other people who are doing what we're doing has also been huge for me. Like befriending other copywriters was really big for me because then as they were growing, maybe they had too many clients and would refer them out to me. So just trying to grow your network, you can do that paid and unpaid, um, but just bringing more people into your world of people who are doing what you're doing. Yeah, lovely. Lovely collaborative nature that you have, Danny. Mm -hmm. Um, When you work with your clients, and I presume and hope that everyone loves it, but what if clients don't love the work? Can you Have you got any tips for how you deal with feedback and dealing with that situation where the client's not overly happy, but firstly recognizing that if they don't want to tell you. Mm -hmm. And then once they have told you, what do you do? For sure. I mean, it it happens. Absolutely. I think one thing, like my biggest thing is trying to mitigate that from happening. Um, And that happens by keeping them in the loop or maybe showing them pieces of your research or talking about the direction that the sales page is going to go. So there's no surprises. So you don't hand over a sales page or whatever it is that you've written. And they're like, oh, this isn't my voice at all. Or this wasn't the direction that I wanted to go. You've 
talked and discussed this already. So they know, um, and you've confirmed that's where it needs to go. Um, so that's kind of a, the big thing to try to help going forward. Um, but I mean, I, I think everything is probably on a case by case basis. Um, I always am in the mindset of trying to make it right with a client. Um, you know, to an extent too, we also need to vouch for ourselves. And if a client is maybe a bit of a red flag client and is asking things that are just outside of the scope, we also need to, um, you know, stand up for ourselves and and say, you know, I can do this again, but I, I may need to charge again too. Um, so there's a little bit of that happening, but I, I definitely do what I need to do to make things right with a client if I'm ever in that situation, rewriting sections um, where I'm able to, for sure. Awesome. So in wrapping up, Danny, and thank you so much for your lovely um, insights and the gentleness. You know, it feels like you've got a really karmic kind of approach mm-hmm. to, to this world. You know, I know on your website you said be kind and kindness is important to you. And I'm, I'm just, it resonates, you know, with your mm-hmm. with your personality. Um, are there any final comments or tips that you'd like to share with people who are thinking about getting into copywriting or already just dipping their toe in the world? I mean, letting them know that it is such a fi- fantastic area to be in. Um, it's a, I, I've never really been in a position that I've been, um, um, needed for my skills in a sense, like really loved on for my skills. And I think we all have these really important skills. We just need to find them. Um, so I, I just more of an encouraging note to go after it. Um, and I, I think other than that, just realizing too, that we get to choose our clients rather than them choosing you, right? It's a bit of a mindset hack or, or switch, um, but, you know, people really need help with their copy and you are the expert and not everyone can do what you do. I'm sure everyone can maybe physically write, but it doesn't mean that everyone is a copywriter. Um, so really leaning into your skills and knowing that you're needed and in control on all of your projects. What a lovely way to wrap up. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much. Danny had the courage to leave the lucrative Canadian oil and gas field in pursuit of her passion, and it paid off in spades. You could say she's cooking with gas, or not, as the case may be. Now, if you're not happy with your job and want to pursue a life that gives you freedom and flexibility and financial independence, copywriting could be it. If you'd like to find out how other copywriters have found their niche and how they've found work, join our community at copyclub.com.au. We know that the fastest way to find success is to have a team of people around you who hold you accountable. And that's what Copy Club can be for you. It will give you the momentum you need to keep going while you're building your new copywriting career. My joke of the day, because I know you're waiting for it. In fact, I just heard this news report. A man has been found guilty of overusing commas. The judge warned him to expect a very long sentence. And my quote of the day, you can't edit a blank page. Good advice. Just keep writing. And that's it from me. All the best and bye-bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at soyouwanttobeacopywriter.com.au or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more. 
This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre.